Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 57, Line in the Sand. I want to talk about the way we treat other people. It's hard to know where to start on a topic so vast and far-reaching, but maybe I'll start with a personal experience. We just had a federal election here in Canada, which was 13 weeks of non-stop political pomp and circumstance, as our three main political parties all vied for our votes. Now, I have no particular party connections, but I do tend to place myself to the centre-left of the political spectrum. I believe that government should be prudent stewards of tax dollars, but also prudent stewards of the public trust, and I had seen little evidence of either from the party that had been in power for a decade. I tend to keep my politics off of social media, but this campaign was so long and so prevalent that I couldn't help myself. As the election campaign wore on and the histrionics became more and more virulent, intolerant and racist, I began to post a few links on Facebook that spoke to how I was feeling about the whole thing. The negativity of the campaign culminated in one of our political parties promising a barbaric cultural practices hotline that people could call to report, essentially, people being too Muslim for their own good or some such nonsense. By this point, I was so incensed about the whole thing that I posted another link that was a bit more strident than I normally would have. And the next morning, I woke up to find that someone I cared about and respected had commented, calling me stupid. It hurt. It hurt a lot. This same person had, in the weeks previous, posted some things that I found incredibly offensive. But I had kept my mouth shut and my fingers off the keyboard, because I valued the relationship I had with this person. To know that they could not afford me the same courtesy was a kick in the gut. I deleted the comment and said nothing more. But I should have. I should have started a dialogue with this person talked about the way the campaign was making me feel, discussed why I felt some of their posts crossed the lines into blatant racism. I should have been open to talking about our differences, in the hopes of staving off knee-jerk reactions and, now, the trepidation I feel about being in the same room. It's not a discussion intended to change opinions, but a question of opening doors and approaching things as adults, of agreeing to disagree and move on. But it's too late now. I can't fix this. Last week, things got a little odd around here. I won't get into details, but again, it was a matter of people not talking, not opening up those doors of discussion, of not behaving in a grown-up way, and other people that I care about facing the consequences of that. And I can't fix it. I can't sit down across from these people and say, did you consider other options? Did you consider just talking, just opening up those doors of communications without worrying about hurt feelings? Did you consider agreeing to disagree and move on? It's not within my power to do that. I also found out that a friend of mine had been hurt by a close friend of theirs, but didn't find out to what extent until I did a little bit of digging on Ravelry. And again, I was shocked at the disregard people can have for others. But again, I can't fix this. And then. And then. Beirut and Paris. I can't fix this.
I'm sick at heart this week. I can't fathom the depths of the way people can dehumanize others and the acts that they can justify after doing so. But after Paris, a little meme popped up in my Facebook feed showing a nuclear explosion and a caption that declared that Japan had been at peace with the United States since 1945, and it was the time to do the same to ISIS. And you know what? I can't fix this, but I can draw my line in the sand. The biggest rule on the Ravelry main discussion boards is be excellent to one another. We need to take this philosophy offline and make it part of our everyday lives. It is not impossible to disagree and still be excellent to one another. In fact, being excellent to one another is what makes it possible to disagree, shake hands, and move on without hard feelings. It allows us to open up those doors of communication, to acknowledge that we all believe different things, have different experiences, and that we can learn from one another, even if our opinions don't change. I refuse to forget that people, all people, no matter their beliefs or creed or how they feel about me and mine, are people, human beings with hopes and dreams and parents and families who live and bleed red and die just like me. The fact that a very small number refuse to acknowledge the persistence of humanity within all of us does not absolve me from forgetting it, nor does it absolve me from reminding those that have, in the most respectful and excellent way possible, that they have forgotten. One does not fix hate with hate. One fixes it with love. Mine is only one voice, one small stitch in the knitted fabric of humanity, but I can promise you this. From now on, I will be excellent to everyone. And that includes starting those uncomfortable discussions with respect and care and love. Because there's nothing wrong with agreeing to disagree and staying friends. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. The essay was a little heavy, but I did need to get it off my chest. And uh, now I have, and we will move on to things fiber related. As you might be able to hear, I am uh, I'm losing my voice a little bit. There's this ridiculous virus that's going around, which is a, a long-standing sore throat, which then morphs into losing your voice. And I am in the last phase, phases of, uh, of losing my voice from time to time. So please bear with me, and I, I hope you can understand me when I speak. Fiber Week. I... Fell a bit of a, a victim to the odd week. I only got two skeins done of uh, of uh, module B. I've got all my stuff here. What is it? Module B two. I got the bamboo, hundred percent bamboo done, and the bamboo silk blend. I did a fifty fifty blend. I was a little worried about it because uh, one of my friends had real trouble with the bamboo, but I didn't find it all that difficult. So I'm not sure what was going on there um, between her and I, or maybe it was just the bamboo that we were using. But I really enjoyed spinning the bamboo silk. Made a very, very nice yarn. So they are dry now. I will most likely be putting them into my binder here. Probably not tonight since I'm recording, but uh, but definitely on by the weekend. 
I have this weekend off of just about everything. So I'm going to be uh, spending some time trying to catch up a bit, get more than two skeins done and, uh, and make a a really, I'm hoping, (laughs) I'm hoping to get done, uh, this module, which is six more skeins. And that would, that would be good if I could get that done. So I've got left the corn, the soy and the hemp. Um, and each one has a blend as well. So I will work on that. I am trying to go through a numerical order. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, so for level three, the next module is module C4, which is to uh, to do yarn reproduction. So reproduce a commercial two-ply and a commercial three-ply yarn. And if you remember, I didn't do them. I ran out of time and energy, and I did not do them. And I have yet to do it. I have tried to reproduce some commercial yarns. I don't think I've chosen the easiest yarns to reproduce. I tried to reproduce a bulky three-ply silk. That was not easy, and I didn't quite make it. Um, I also tried to reproduce a commercial three-ply um, what's it called? Merino, cashmere, and silk. That was for my final project for level four. I got close. I got pretty close, but, uh, but I also, was, the grist was a little high. So there are certainly things to consider when you're trying to do reproduction. First is give yourself time and, uh, and do a lot of measuring. You have to measure the twist per inch in the ply. You have to pull the math back, figure out what the twist per inch is in the singles, pull out the singles, put a little bit more twist in them, and uh, and measure the grist. You also need to know the grist of the final yarn. So do a lot of measuring, do a lot of sampling, try and, try and figure out what's going to be the best solution. Um, if anybody out there in podcast land has completed level three and has actually done the uh, yarn reproduction. If you want to post some tips on the Facebook page for people who have, uh, who are in the program right now, that would be great. And I will be sure to aggregate those and, uh, and add them to the resources page on my website. So, uh, yeah, I've got not much to say on, on that topic because again, I, I didn't do it, so I didn't get marked on it. Um, and yeah, like I said, not much done on level four either. Five, four. I don't even know what level I am in right now. I am quite tired. And even though this little virus isn't really bad and not knocking me out, I'm pretty done by the end of the day. So level five, I'm hoping to get done. Like I said, at least four, if not six games this weekend and then move on to other things. There's a skein that's in my head. It's well, well down the list. It's one of the uh, art yarn skeins. And you have to spin a skein of yarn based on a picture. And uh, and I've been thinking a lot about which picture I want to do. And I think I'm going to continue thinking about it. But I really want to get to it. So if I'm continuing on my way of going numerically, it's going to be a while. But uh, but that's my incentive to keep going. 
is to get to that particular skein. I also talked with Caroline Sommerfeld of Ancient Arts uh, Fiber Crafts at the Calgary Fiber Arts Fair two weekends ago and uh, was talking about, you know, my what I wanted to do for my final project and saying, you know, I wanted to spin cotton. And uh, she said, well, if you, if you need a source for really good cotton, let me know. And I said, well, I did get a whole bunch of fox fiber cotton from, and she started to shake her head. And she's like, most commercially available um, cotton for spinners is actually mill ends for commercial spinning. And when you get cotton that's been actually prepared for hand spinning, the difference is like night and day. So I've been thinking about that too, because the final project is obviously coming up. And uh, she said she can get me uh, some of this really good stuff in uh, both in a white, green, and brown. So now I'm, instead of dyeing my whatever I'm going to do, I've been thinking about just doing the three natural colors instead. So I've got all these things sort of that I'm thinking about. And they're all way, way down the list in terms of level five homework. But I do need to do the thinking now. So especially if I need to get um, supplies from Caroline, that that will uh, that will happen sooner rather than later so that I can get on it. So but I thought that was a little interesting uh, tidbit that I thought I would share. And if anybody has any experience with it, uh, absolutely post on the Facebook page and let me know um, if you if you have any experience with cotton specifically prepped for hand spinners anyway that's what i have for fiber week and uh yeah hoping for better progress next time fiber notes well i had a wonderful time at the calgary fiber arts fair on uh, saturday november 7th uh, it was a it was a just a little show. Um, next year, I I'm I hope I'll be able to teach something uh, there as well because it was just a, it was a really really nice show. Like lots of people from the the local area uh, came uh, both as vendors and as participants, and uh, it, it was really fun just to connect with people. I uh, I helped out my parents at the Danware booth, so if you were there, hi, I'll wave and say hello. And uh, and talked to a lot of people, did some demonstrating on some of uh, Dad's spindles and the Akas, and uh, overall just had a really, really nice time. I was good and only came home with one skein of yarn from Sea Turtle Fiber Arts. That's my friend Sarah from my Level 5 class. Uh, beautiful, beautiful colors. The one I got, shockingly, was like reds and yellows. It was called Sunrise, and it was a, a lace, skein of lace weight. And I am thinking about designing something with it in my copious spare time. But uh, but right now it's only sort of in the mental sketch phase. But I have, I have an idea. I just need to figure out how I can make the stitches do what I would like them to do. I started teaching the beginner lace class at the Edmonton Weavers Guild on this past Wednesday. And, uh, and I've already, I know I'm going to have to make some, not changes to the pattern itself. The pattern is fine the way it is, but some of the instructions and some of the additional things, uh, to go in the pattern, for example, the uh, stitch counts per row will need to be added into the pattern. 
And there are a few places where it's not as clear now that I've started teaching it to people who are beginner lace knitters, where it's not as clear as I would like. So there's certainly some adjustments I'm going to have to make to the teaching version of the pattern. And uh, so I'll be, once the class is done and I'll be posting an update to the, to the pattern. But I just, I'm knitting along with the class, but <laughs> I might have miscalculated a little bit. I decided to pull out a skein of lace weight from my stash and uh, use smaller needles and knit a larger shawl. You know, so so test my theory that if you end section one with 50% of your yarn left, you'll be able to get to the end. Because I'm just making, I just want to make sure that the ratios are going to work. So uh, the pattern itself, as written, calls for 3.75 millimeter needles. I'm using two and a half millimeter needles. Calls for a fingering weight yarn. I'm using a lace weight. Calls for approximately 400 yards. More like probably 350. Um, I'm using about a thousand. And I didn't really, even though I know all of these things, I didn't really consider that it would take more time. Even though I'm using smaller needles, thinner yarn, and more of it, I didn't consider that it would take more time. So the second class is this coming Wednesday, so two days from now, and uh, and I'm well past the fourth uh, body repeat, and it's still pretty tiny. And I got to thinking about it. So I've got a thousand yards of yarn, and so half of that is about five hundred. And when I did the kept time when I did my level four final project to do the whole, the whole shawl. It was 20 hours of knitting for approximately 350 yards. So if I wanted to get close to the end of section one and use up 50% of my yarn, I would have to squeeze out probably about 25 hours in one week of knitting. And that is just not happening. So it's okay because the, the third class is actually a week and a half after the second one. And, uh, and it will be okay, I think. I'm not going to be in a position, I think, to block it. I may have to take some time on a weekend and knit up a quick lace swatch to block. Because what, what, I, what the plan is, is so the first class was section one, which is casting on and lace on one side. Um, and their homework, or the, the, where, where I asked them to stop, was the third of four, three, four repeats. So then the second class, the plan was to introduce them to lifelines and then start them on the lace on two sides section. Then before the end of class, stop, tear back to the lifeline. Then they can continue on to do the fourth repeat of the body and then the lace on two sides section before the next class. Then the third class is talking about the um, knit on lace border. And, uh, and once we've got them started on that, then I wanted to block something for them so that they could see how it was done. Because blocking, you have to block lace. It's just a thing. And a lot of people don't. So uh, I introduced them to lifelines in the first class because I happened to mention it. And they're like, well, you need to tell us about lifelines now because we need them. <laughs> so I did. And, uh, and, you know, I think it's going okay. 
I was talking to my friend Kathy. We we had a little party for a friend of ours on on Sunday about you know the the class and how it was going. And she said something that was really interesting. She's like, "Are most of these people weavers?" Because I was talking about how we were trying to figure out where we were. I had the samples, and and they wanted to know where we were in the pattern. And she said, "Are they weavers?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I think they are." She said, "Well, they're used to warp and weft." like straight lines at right angles. Whereas knitting, you can knit in pretty much any direction you want and create any shape you want out of the fabric. And I hadn't really thought about that. So on Wednesday, I'm going to, um, first of all, ask. And, uh, and second of all, you know, talk about the directionality of the fabric. Because that's something to really, to really consider. And I hadn't before, so that was quite interesting. But uh, I'm trying to squeeze out every available moment to knit. The um, the lace weight I'm using is a hand-dyed uh, Cherry Tree Hill uh, lace weight. I believe it's Superwash Merino. Um, it was dyed for me as part of a, a swap I did. Um, it's called Lady of the Lake with More Red. And it's turning out quite Christmassy. There's a little bit of blue in it, but it's mostly red and green. And if I can get this finished and blocked, I think it'll be my Christmas shawl for the year. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. Of course, this is like the fourth time I've knit the pattern, so I pretty much have it memorized. But uh, but it's still nice to do it again, and especially because I'm making it larger. It's a, it's definitely an interesting exercise. I've also just finished sewing the buttons onto my Kindle cozies, so I blocked them this weekend, and they are now ready for their photo shoot. Whenever I happen to get around to that. That's another thing I'd like to do this weekend is get that pattern all um, designed up and um, get that posted on Ravelry. So I think it's fair to say that the my little Kindle cozy will be up on Ravelry before the next episode. And yeah, I'm just gonna put it up for free. It's just a little, it's just a little thing, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. So. Um, I haven't really been working on much else. I uh, have a, uh, the, the sock on the go, but that's put aside because I, I'm working on this shawl now. So I just, between homework and life, there just isn't enough time to do all of the things that I want to do in terms of knitting. So that's okay. One thing at a time, right? One stitch at a time and it all gets done. But uh But yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Fiberside Chat I didn't have a chance to sit down with my dad after this past show, the Calgary Fiber Arts Fair. But at Fiber Week this year, I did uh, sit down with him at the end of the, the Merchant Mall and talk to him about how it went and some of the ideas that he'd come up with. At the Calgary Fiber Arts Fair, some of the products that he'd, uh, he talks about in this interview, he actually had. And they were very, very good sellers and very well received. So that just goes to show that the relationships that you develop as a vendor with the people who purchase from you, and as well as you know the, us who purchase these things, uh, are really, really valuable, that the feedback goes both ways with, with the independent sellers. And as we're coming up on the Christmas season, I think it's it's important to keep that in mind as well. 
that supporting your local businesses and your local artisans is is important and uh, and developing those relationships so i just wanted to give you a quick fiberside chat with uh, jan biasco from danware well i'm at the danware booth it's the end of fiber week at least the merchant mall part and uh and dad you're looking pretty picked over yeah, it has, it's been pretty good here you yeah. know, for a third year and uh, a lot of people, they come back and it's it's hilarious just to follow what people want to, they come back to the booth every year to see what's new mm-hmm. and then one of the other things that happen is that they come back with other suggestions. Mm-hmm. So our list of products keep developing every year because of the group of knitters and spinners that's here at Fiber Week. And it also helps with your group of friends coming to, to yeah. help us. Yeah. So there's more designs that has to come into place here and mm-hmm. we'll just keep on following what's going on and see what if I can come up with some different designs. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm still <laughs> trying to convince you to make hackles because practically nobody makes them anymore. But, well, I know, I on know, the, on, I know. On the hackles, that's, that's a little different and, and uh, some of the strengths that has to go into them... Um, because you guys are putting a lot of tension on it when you're using these hackles. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm still looking at the possibility of coming up with both the, the pegs that has to go in there, the iron spikes that has to go in there, mm-hmm. and the strengths of the wood and how they get assembled. I have looked at the other hackles and seen exactly mm-hmm. how they look. but mm, uh, It's a design process. It, 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 it takes time, and yeah. especially here now that I'm full-time retired. Now. Yeah, full-time retired. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the the hackles might take a long time, but the akas <laughs> took what? Uh, the, when, the, when did you get a request to make akas? The akas spindle was requested when we were in Red Deer in... Mid-May. Early May. May yeah. 8th. Yeah, May 8th. Yeah. And, uh, that so five one, weeks later. That one was a simple one to come up with, and there has been the response has been excellent for mm-hmm. the people wanting something so light. Like the lightest one that we had was eight grams. Mm-hmm. Did that and one sell? Well, it was the first one that went out. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, so that was exciting. Good. But now I also had requests on making support spindles. Mm-hmm. So there's other things that's going to be coming up and i got to work a little bit. As a matter of fact, we made, there was a 5 o'clock uh, a.m. Uh, prototype today that uh, is circling around here because I couldn't sleep. I was thinking too much about it, so I made one. So you got up at 5 a.m. and made a support spindle. And then go up here. For, and then brought it up here for 10 a.m. Yeah, to had, be tested. It had to be tested, you oh, know. Oh, my goodness. So it is floating around here somewhere. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Well, that's good. And, and uh, a few other new things, the, the null binding needles. I see there's only two left. Yeah, that that I have a challenge. I couldn't figure out how to make it, so I had to walk around here and find somebody who could help me oh, to, 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 to get actually. started and, and using it. And I did make up something here. I can see that. It's like kind of a sort of floppy hat type well, thing. or With the Nullbind needles, you really have to learn how to, to do it properly. Uh, not like I'm doing here. It looks <laughs> like a tea cozy, but... Um... No, it looks like a little summer hat. <laughs> Yeah, you can ha- you can keep the summer hat. I can keep the summer hat. No, that's but okay. uh, that, that, that it is a fascinator. It was quite uh, interesting to see people uh, picking out those because uh, they were made with um, bird's eye maple and, mm-hmm. and so they were natural wood and uh, Nathan does an excellent job on those. So uh, 
And the other exciting thing that he had this year was the seam rippers. Yeah, I noticed there's only four left. Yeah, seam rippers with both a small and a double. Yeah. And we have also just heard that we can now get them with stiletto. So that's going to be oh. made with a seam ripper on one end and a stiletto in the other end. Interesting. So there, well, there, there will be some next time we come some, around for that, of that. So what's the next show? The Calgary? That'll be Calgary Fiber okay. Arts in November. Well, you have a bit of time to uh, do product development. I want to go hiking in the Okay, mountain. fine. You can take the summer off. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you had a wonderful fiber week. Thanks and, a lot. Uh, and, and, yeah, hopefully you can get your inventory back up soon. Well, that would be a good question. Yes. We need to get out and get some fresh air when the summertime is here. That's true. But right. we'll, we'll find time. Good. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for talking. By the Wayside. I didn't get anything done on Christmas elegance. I really didn't. I didn't bring it to Calgary because beads and busy. And this uh, this past weekend, I didn't want to tell you about my to-do list. Um, I had two to-do lists. One was I have to get done. And one was I'd like to get done. And uh, I didn't even get everything done that was on the have to do list. So yeah, that didn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, this, this weekend, either Friday night or Saturday night, I'm going to sit down and, uh, and do some more beating and I will, uh, I will post a picture once I, uh, for the, for the next episode, there will be progress and I will post a picture. So that's your, uh, that's your by the wayside update. Thank you for joining me for episode 57. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 58 on November 29th, 2015. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.